Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Awesome. You may be seated. Thank you. Such a joy to be with you guys today. It's a joy to be in, in the big room. Usually I'm off in the side room, and my audience is a lot shorter. And I usually pause to uh, hand out some goldfish during the, the time, but sorry I didn't come prepared this morning to pass out goldfish. But we do have a great cafe out in the foyer, so feel free to head on out there um, if you need something. But it's been my joy to be on staff here for five years now, um, leading the kids' ministry. And I first uh, began working with kids when I was in middle school. And I just loved it. And I just um, kind of assumed that I would just be an elementary education teacher. I went down that, that path. And then shortly after high school graduation, um, I just had an encounter with Jesus and felt a call to ministry. So I headed off to Bible college and um, just really grateful to have served in full-time ministry ever since then. And uh, it's my joy to um, be a part of a church uh, that's uh, passionate together um, to expand the kingdom, that's in relationship expanding the kingdom. And it's my joy to come alongside of this church um, and all of our Catch the Fire churches and you as parents to raise a generation of spirit-led kids that are passionately pursuing the heart of Jesus. Uh, there's n- nothing brings me more greater joy than to see our kids on fire for Jesus and to hear the stories of them spending time in the Word and, and seeing them worship and to step in that all God has for them. A few weeks ago, um, I was teaching in the, the side room over here uh, to my shorter audience, and uh, the lesson that day, it was part of our Ohana series, and it was on the story of Joseph when he forgave his um, brothers. And as I was preparing for that class, as I was going back through the scriptures and the texts, I um, just came across all these notes that I had made in uh, the margins of my Bible. And there was just so much to revisit and uh, to re-go through on the life of Joseph and to see how um, I could apply it to my life, to go through the dreams, to go through the character building, uh, to walk through forgiveness things. And um, so this morning, I actually want to, we're going to relook at the life of Joseph this morning, but I feel it's really important. Uh, his life covers so much, but God has dreams and plans and purposes for your life. And he wants to use us all to expand his kingdom, to usher in this great harvest that we hear prophesied about. And we all have a, a part in that, whether that's in our home, our place of work, the schools that we go to, the jobs that we go to, um, it's for all of us. And he has a dream in his heart to use you to fulfill the dreams that are on his heart. And so as we look at the life of Joseph today, I just want us to be open and say, God, here I am. What do you want to say to me about Joseph in his life that is for me today, that can encourage me on my next step in my journey of walking with you and fulfilling all that you have for me. So this morning, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just say here we are. We just give you these moments and we say just come and be with us. Pour into us. Spirit of God, pour into us. Give us 
ears to hear what you want us to hear. Give us a heart that's ready to receive what you have for us and give us eyes to see what you're doing in our midst, what you're doing in the future, what you're doing with our lives. Jesus, we love you, and we just say thank you. In your name we pray, amen. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, I'm not going to read the whole story of Joseph, don't worry about that, because it goes from 37 all the way to 50. Uh, But if you're new to your faith, Genesis is the very first book that is in the Bible there. So if you want to just thumb through to chapter 37, I'm just going to take some time and I'm going to highlight some of uh, the highlights from Joseph's life. So first thing that we read about chapter 37 is that Joseph was the favored son of his father Jacob, which led to his brother's jealousy. And to further make that situation worse, Jacob gave Joseph the special coat, the coat of many colors, which symbolized his favoritism towards his son. Then shortly after that, Joseph had two significant dreams that he shared with his family. In these dreams, he saw himself in a position of authority and his family members bowing down in front of him. Well, this just angered his brothers a little bit more. So then one day, Jacob sent Joseph out to check on his sons who were out in the field. And when they saw him approaching from a distance, they conspired to kill him. And they took him and they threw him down in a pit. They took off his coat of many colors. They put animal, they killed an animal. They put its blood on it because they were going to tell his father that an animal killed him. However, at the last minute, they decided to sell him to a passing group of traders heading into Egypt. So then he arrives in Egypt, and Joseph is now sold as a slave to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. And despite his circumstances, Joseph's faithfulness and integrity led him to gain the favor in Potiphar's eyes. But then, at Joseph's good fortunes, they took a turn for the worse, and he was falsely accused of attempting to seduce Potiphar's wife. And as a result, he was thrown into prison. But while in prison... Joseph demonstrated his ability to interpret dreams, and he accurately interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's cupbearer and chief baker, predicting that the cupbearer would be restored to his position and the baker, sadly, would be executed. A couple years passed then, and the cupbearer remembered Joseph's ability to interpret dreams when Pharaoh was having his own troubling dreams. And Joseph was then summoned to interpret these dreams, which he did, predicting seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. So impressed by Joseph's wisdom, Pharaoh appointed him second in command over all of Egypt in charge of preparing for the upcoming famine, which later led to him being reunited with his family and a process of forgiving his own brothers. So here's Joseph, he's a shepherd, and then eventually he gets to become the second-ranking official in a foreign country. He went from a shepherd to a ruler, and he ruled in a nation that he wasn't even born in. And I think that's true for many of us today, that God has callings and dreams and purposes much bigger than we can realize. 
We might see ourselves as a shepherd, like, I'm taking care of my, my little space here, my little flock right here. But God actually sees you as so much more. And he transitioned Joseph from that shepherd to the second in command in all of Egypt. And he was able to lead an entire nation through a devastating years of famine. So there's several things that we can learn from the life of Joseph. And the first one that I want to talk about is how we handle our dreams is really important. So first of all, we need to start by recognizing that our dreams and purposes are God-given. He plants his dreams and purposes in our hearts to fulfill his purposes here on earth. And God has given you dreams, ones that he's selected just for you because he thought he would love that. I thought you'd love to be a leader, so I'm going to give you that. I thought you'd love to be a teacher, so I'm going to give you that gift because I think you'll really enjoy that. And all those dreams lead back to God. And if you feel like you're sitting here today and you don't have one, God wants to give you one. Joseph knew right away that his dreams were from God, because I imagine he had heard his father's dreams, especially the one that we read in Genesis chapter 28, the one of the stairway resting on earth, leading up to heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And your dream may come to you in various ways, through a dream while you're asleep, through a prophetic word, through a vision, through conversations with God, through reading the scriptures. But Acts 2.17 says this. It says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. In the last days, there's going to be an increase of dreams, visions, prophetic words. And it doesn't matter how your dream or your purpose comes to you. God is wanting to speak to you, and he's wanting to pour out into you. That word pour out in Hebrew, it's the same word we see in the Psalms when David is pouring out everything before the Lord. And it's with that same passion, it's with that same depth, that God is pouring out in the last day his dreams, his visions, his words over your life, his plans over your life. And he's leaving nobody out. On your daughters, on your sons, on the men and the women, um, he's leaving no one out. And if you feel this morning like you don't have a dream, or maybe you've done something in your past and you feel like it's taken your dream away from you? Or like you've failed too great, I can't possibly have a dream. God can't possibly use me anymore. But you know what? He sent his son Jesus. So all things are possible. Don't discount your dreams because of a past failure or a past mistake. God can redeem all of that. The second thing about our dreams that's important is our heart position towards our dream. Joseph was arrogant, enough to make his brothers throw him in a pit and tell their father that an animal killed him. So like how we hold our dreams and communicate our dreams are really important. If you're a parent and you have kids, multiple kids in your household, you kind of know when there's a little tension going on in the house. You might be in the kitchen making supper 
And all of a sudden, from the other room, you just hear some voices rising and rising and rising, get a little bit longer, and then a little fighting back and forth, and maybe even some footsteps running towards you to say, they messed up my Minecraft game, or they took this from my room. Like, when there's tension in the household, you know it. Can you imagine having 13 boys at home? There was a little tension going on within that family unit. But here's Joseph. Your father's given you this coat, this beautiful coat of many colors. It signifies that you're his favorite. And you really don't need to do anything else except live in that favor. Grow up in that favor. But verse 4 of chapter 37 says, After his father had given him the coat of many colors, it says, His brothers, in verse 4 there, hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. There was all kinds of friction going on. And that was just after the coat of many colors. He hadn't started dreaming yet. So we read a little further. Verse number five, he starts, he has his dream. And says, Joseph had a dream and we told it to his brothers. They hated him all the more. Like, that's pretty bad. They already couldn't, they already hated him and couldn't speak a kind word. Now they hated him all the more. Verse 10, after his next dream, he told it to his brothers. And verse 10 says, when he told to his brothers as well as his father, his father rebuked him. Now you know you're in serious trouble. Like, you're the favorite child. But somehow you have pushed him too far. And even your father has now rebuked you. And that word rebuke there in scripture, it's the Hebrew word ga'er, um, that's also found in Zechariah 3, verse number 2, when the Lord rebukes Satan. So Jacob wasn't just giving Joseph just a little slap on the wrist, don't do that, but he was giving him a rebuke. Now we have to remember that his father was a dreamer. Genesis chapter 28, uh, verse 16 through 22, it talks about Jacob's dream again with a stairway coming down, but verse 16, 17 says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Very different from how Joseph held his dream. And we cannot hold our dreams out with arrogance and pride and expect to be blessed, to not be tested in them. But we need to hold our dreams, our callings, our passion for our life, like Jacob. Like surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is on this dream for my life. Surely the presence of the Lord is here. Let's not hold our dreams like Joseph that just kind of stirs up trouble and anger and jealousy. Next, we need to realize that our dreams take a while. And we must have a perspective of time when we receive a dream. According to the Bible, Joseph was about 17 years old when he had um, his dreams. And then we know he was sold into slavery, he worked in Potiphar's house, then he was put back into prison. And then Genesis 41, 46, it indicates that Joseph was 30 years old but when he stood before Pharaoh and was made second in command. So that was approximately 13 years of having to work out his dream, of, of getting the dream from God and then the pit and the prison and all of that. He had to work out his dream. 
I remember when I wrote my first book, I was all so excited about it. I started it in 2011. I thought, oh man, I'm going to finish this up, wrap this up. It's going to be great. And then came 2018 when it finally got published. It goes through seasons. It goes through transitions. There's a working out that takes place. But God's not concerned about time. In our fast-paced world, we find ourselves impatiently waiting for things to happen. We like our own timelines. We set goals. We buy a new planner. We make our plans. We purchase an app for our phone to help us track our plans. And we expect everything to unfold just as we're, we're envisioning it. However, the Bible reminds us in 2 Peter 3.8 that God's timing is different from ours. It says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So be encouraged. This verse reminds us to trust in God for his perfect timing, knowing that his plans for our life are far greater than ours. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his people. God wants you to dream. He has dreams for you. He wants to speak to you and fill your heart with dreams. But he wants to be on the journey with us. He's not in a hurry. Don't give up on your dreams because they've taken so long. Unlike what the movies portray on TV, the ark wasn't built in a weekend. Dreams take some time. Next thing, while you're waiting for your dream. Keep serving those around you. Keep attentive to those around you that are in need. I think this is really important, especially if you're feeling stuck in your dream, like, I'm not making any progress. Keep serving. Keep serving those around you. Genesis 40, verse 6, talks to Joseph when he's in the prison. And verse 6 says, And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. Another version says he saw that they were dejected. While you're waiting for your dream, keep serving others. It could lead to your pathway of getting out of your prison into the fullness of your dreams and your destiny. It's easy to get self-absorbed, to think of your own needs, your own frustration. But keep serving others. It could be your pathway out of prison. So from Joseph, regarding our dreams, we can... Remember that our dreams are God-given and that our heart position towards them is really important and that our dreams can take a while, but as they're taking a while, let's keep serving others and helping those around us in need. Second thing I want to talk about with Joseph is just the growing in character, the growing in identity We must all navigate our identity and our character. And God's always interested in our heart. With God, it's always character before your gifting. And maybe you feel like your character's just been on a roller coaster. It's like, yeah, we were up here, but then we hit some storms, and I feel like I'm taking a deep dive. It's like, oh, I'm on track again, but, oh, stress hit at work, and I'm all derailed again. My character isn't where I want it to be. I remember uh, several years ago, I took a group of kids to Six Flags uh, Amusement Park. 
And we were all in the line for the biggest roller coaster there. It's called Wild Thing. At the top, it's 207 feet. And as it goes down, it reaches speeds of 75 miles, miles an hour. As you hit the curves, it has four Gs, and it lasts for three delightful minutes. But as we're standing in those lines, in those queues, making our way up to the front, you know, we're talking, and everybody's starting to figure out, okay, who's going to ride with who, who's going to ride with who. And I noticed one of, the, one of the boys, like, he was everybody's favorite. All the kids loved him, especially the girls. He's a great kid. And he kept moving closer and closer to me. I'm like, okay, I don't care. I don't care who I ride with. It's fine. And he kept moving closer. And as soon as we got up next to that roller coaster, he jumped right in line next to me and got in the car with me. And as soon as that, that seat protection thing came over your lap, I realized why he wanted to ride with me. It's because he was terrified and he did not want his friends to know that he was absolutely terrified. And that brake clicks off and then you start clicking up that big hill, all 207 feet of it. And he is just crouching lower and lower. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to call a parent when I get off this ride. Like, I don't know if their child's going to make it. And I literally, for those three minutes, I'd like hold on to him to make sure that he wouldn't fall out of that ride. But, you know, our character and identity can go up and down. And sometimes there's some character building that needs to go on inside of us before we can just take on this role and just enjoy it all. That there's some working out of the things in our life. And Joseph had many shifts with his character and identity. When he was 17, when he got that coat of many colors... He was his father's favorite, and he had the dreams, and he saw everybody bowing down to him, but then he's thrown in a pit, and then he gets sold as a slave, and then when he gets to Egypt, he gets to be in Potiphar's house, and he's on the upswing again, but then he's wrongly accused, and he's down again. He's in prison, but then he gets out of prison to second in charge. Then he still has to figure out, okay, now I have this opportunity to forgive my brothers. What does that look like? But his life had to go through some twists and turns, some ups and some downs of his character building and his character transformation so that he could actually step in to the fullness of his calling that God had placed on his life. And in Genesis 45, verses 1 through 2, it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and Pharaoh's household heard about it. So he went up and down in his transformation of his character until he was able to let it all spill out and be in a place of forgiveness. So not only he could lead the Egyptian army, but he could actually lead his own family back into safety in Egypt. So if you're in a season of waiting, of walking into a fullness of your dreams and the things that are in your heart, while you're waiting to step into your sphere of influence that God's placed you in, let this be a season of refining your identity 
because God's not in a hurry. He loves you. And he wants to build your character. Psalms 105 also talks about Joseph. And this is what it says, Psalms 105, 16 through 19. It says, he called for famine upon the land. Speaking God, he, he called for famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. That word there for word, until the time that his word came to pass, that word right there in Hebrew is talking about the prophetic word, his dream. Until that came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. And that time, the Hebrew word used there is in reference to the scriptures. Until the time this prophetic word came to pass, the scriptures of the Lord tested him. So if you're needing to work on some areas of character, if you want to upgrade your character in this season, I want to encourage you to press into the word of God and let the words of the Lord bring transformation to your life, to your character, so that you can walk in the fullness of what God has called for you. So a few weeks ago when I was teaching over in the other room and we were Doing this lesson um, on Ohana, it was our series, Ohana is the, the Hawaiian word for family. And this particular week, the lesson was on Joseph forgiving his brothers. And um, as I was preparing this part, I just noticed in my Bible that I had written some notes um, of seven tests um, to see if you have truly forgiven someone or not. And we didn't go over all seven with the kids. We just talked about forgiving, about releasing them from their sin, and then blessing their sin. But I thought these seven things were really good because we don't want forgiveness or lack of forgiveness for someone to hold us back from stepping into what God has for us. So um, these come out of the Christian Standard Bible, uh, these scriptures. So here are these seven tests. Um, First of all, we don't tell anybody what they did to us. Genesis 45.1 says, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of his attendants, so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. You know, he could have kept everybody in there and let their sins be known to everybody in the room, but he didn't. He didn't tell anybody what they did. So basically, he didn't tattle. On them. He kept it to himself. Now, I do want to just pause and say if you're, something's going on in your life and somebody is hurting you, please, you know, let somebody know. Let a counselor know. Let a pastor know. That's a different situation. Um, but he didn't let everybody know what they did to him. Second test uh, we won't let them feel fear from us. Verse number four, Genesis 45 says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. So he could have just, you know, drawn out all this amazing Egyptian armor, held up a few swords, but he didn't. He said, Please come near me. He invited them in. He did not let them feel fear from him. 
Thirdly, we help them to forgive themselves. We never throw up what they did in their face. Uh, Verse number five says, and now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. And then verse seven says, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant with the land and to keep you alive by great deliverance. So he helped them to forgive themselves. And now don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourself. He could have really put the pressure on. He could have read them all the things that he did. And remember, forgiveness isn't an easy thing. They hated Joseph. They planned to kill him and lie to his dad that he was killed by an animal. They threw him in a pit and they sold him as a slave. Like, there was a heaviness about what his brothers did to him. I mean, I can't actually imagine what it would be like to spend an hour down in a pit all alone. Like, there was a heaviness that Joseph had to to work off here in forgiveness. The fourth test, we let them save face. Verse number eight, therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over the land of Egypt. He let them save face. It was God who sent me here. Number five, we protect them from their own dark secret. So we protected them so that their father Jacob wouldn't learn what they did. Verse number nine, return quickly to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. And then skipping down to verse 13, tell my father about all my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen and bring my father here quickly. It didn't say, go back and tell our father everything you did to me. It said, no, go quickly to my father and say, this is what your son Joseph says and tell my father about all my glory in Egypt. Didn't say go back and tell him everything that you did to me. Uh, The sixth one, Um, it's a lifetime commitment. 17 years later, Joseph still forgave them. But then later on in Scripture, um, Genesis 50, 16 through 18, Jacob had already died. So there was a change in the family. Jacob the matriarch was gone, and now it was all the brothers. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the suffering they caused you. So here there was a big change, and he had to walk through that again. Okay, am I still going to carry on and just forgive them? Or now that my my dad's out of the picture, am I going to take vengeance? He still had to process out that forgiveness. And he does it in a beautiful way. Genesis 50, verse 21, the last one, number seven, we bless them. Verse 21 says, therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So those are seven quick little keys, little tests to know if we have truly forgiven someone. Because we don't want unforgiveness to be a roadblock that stops our dreams our hopes for our life. And just a reminder that there is no situation that Jesus hasn't taken care of. All right, so now what? There's a lot of lessons to learn from Joseph. But this morning, God has given us all dreams. And if you don't have one, he wants to give you one. Because God loves you so much. 
He has given you dreams and hopes for your life. He has a plan for you. So this morning, before we, before we leave, I just want us to take a look at what God's saying to us. If you want to go ahead, close your eyes, bow your heads. First of all, I just want to ask, maybe you're here this morning, and all this sounds good to you, but you haven't actually stopped and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you can live abundantly in his blessings under the umbrella of his callings and dreams for your life. And this morning, if you want to ask Jesus into your life for the very first time and say, Jesus, I just lay it all down. I've been trying so hard and failing at everything. Or I have been trying and doing pretty good, but there's still an emptiness. So Jesus, come and fill that emptiness within me. If that's you today, in a few moments we're going to have the ministry team come, but if that's you today, I want to invite you just to come forward and ask somebody on the ministry team to pray with you for salvation today so that you can know beyond a doubt that you are saved that you've admitted that you need Jesus in your life and that you believe he is the one and that you want to confess him every day of your life, that he is the risen Savior, the one that you live for. I want to invite you, when the ministry team comes up, to come and ask somebody to pray with you today for salvation. But if you're in this room today, I just want you to ask yourself, like, what are the dreams God's given me for my life? Remember when I was 17, loved Jesus? When I'd walk from my classes um, down the halls of high school, I'd be praying for my friends. Maybe you're in the workplace and you manage a whole line of people. God wants to use you. He's given you that sphere of influence. One of the most precious ones, your household, to raise your kids in a way that they love Jesus and are pursuing more of the Father in their lives. I just want you to think for a moment, like, what are your dreams? God, what have you given me? What are you saying to me? What do you want to release to me? What do you want to remind me of today? Jesus, I'm yours. I want to live my life worthy. I want to follow your leading and trust your design. I want to come into alignment with the dreams you have for me. I want my character to line up with what, of who you say I am. Jesus, you're so good. You love us so much. You're always pouring out. You love us. You have more for us.
So Father, right now in these moments, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and pour out and pour out and pour out. That you pour out fresh dreams. Holy Spirit, come remind us of the dreams. Holy Spirit, come whisper in our ear the upgrades of character that you want us to go through so that we can walk in fullness. Jesus, highlight to me the people I need to forgive so that I don't stumble on my journey or get held back. Jesus, you're so good. It doesn't matter if you're 17 or 87 or where you're at in life or what mistakes you've made. But Jesus' love never fails and it never ever ends. And his blood covers everything. So this morning, as we close, we have an amazing ministry team. And if you need prayer for your dreams, if you need prayer for your character upgrades, if you need to pray with somebody for boldness to forgive, I want to encourage you just a few moments, just to make your way up. And if you want somebody to pray with you this morning for salvation, please come forward and have somebody pray for you. Jesus, we love you. We love you and we thank you so much for dreams and visions for our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.